Gorgeous George and Goes, are you ready? Junkie Nation, are you ready? Well, let's get it on. From the fight capital of the world, Las Vegas, Nevada, this is MMA Junkie Radio. We roll it! What's going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and Goes checking in here on a Sunday night. Happy to be with you for the next hour or so. It's for your Monday morning delivery. We're going to discuss UFC 287, which took place this past weekend, yesterday to be exact. Also, PFL 2, what is it, 2023 regular season, the way they say it. Oh, my God, it gets on my nerves. Um... That was on Friday night here in Las Vegas. Goes and I went to it, so we'll definitely talk a little bit about that. And, of course, the pay-per-view. Hopefully you guys tuned in and checked out our watch-along. We had a good time, along with UFC flyweight O'Day Osborne. Every UFC pay-per-view, you can count on us being there and uh, watching it along with you guys. we got Shane Burgos on today's show, by the way. He's going to be headlining PFL. 3, 2023, regular season. It takes place on Friday, again in Las Vegas. I think we're going to be there as well at the uh, Virgin Hotel inside their theater. Great venue, and uh, it's formerly known as the Hard Rock. So uh, it doesn't get any better than that, right? A guest, a pay-per-view, a show that we went to, lots of news. will get one more plug-in don't forget to watch spinning back click every monday noon eastern 9 a.m pacific i'll be back on tomorrow's live sbc this time as a panelist instead of the host i'm happy to come back looking forward to it and you should look forward to that show every monday as we discuss all the big hot topics in mixed martial arts goes you know, I like to go in sequential order most of the time, how it went down, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, this, that, whatever. However, UFC 287 was pretty a pretty big deal. So we got to go there, man. That's that's the main course here from what happened this weekend. Israel Adesanya regained his middleweight title as he defeated Alex Fajeda in round two of their five-round title fight that was scheduled. Uh, this is a fight that was kind of... I thought going more Pajeda's way up until when he got caught with a big overhand right, a couple of them, and then a vicious ground and pound punch that put his lights out completely. And Israel Adesanya literally was the happiest human being on planet Earth right about that time as he pulled out uh, pseudo arrows from his back to shoot down the big, to uh, yeah to shoot down the big Brazilian, then mimic the the Brazilian son with uh, some little play dead deal that apparently had been pissed that had pissed him off from back in their kickboxing days. And, uh, and then of course told the world, Hey, listen, man, um, you know, I, I feel so good right now. I can't wait to party in Miami. It was pretty epic. I must say, and it was his moment. So congrats to Israel Adesanya. I picked him to win. I'm glad he won goes. What did you think of the fight? KO, everything that happened afterwards. You know, it's it's an interesting situation because I, I agree with you. I, I felt things were going Pereira's way, but I didn't feel like Israel Adesanya was in trouble. I didn't feel like it was uh, Alex Pereira's game or, or, or something that put him in that situation. I felt like Israel was just kind of, that was part of his strategy. What you about know? the leg you didn't think the leg kicks were kind of hurting him a little bit? I think the leg kicks were bothering him. But if you see the end of the fight and you see the dance he was doing, you can't do that on a bad leg. So it couldn't have really hurt him that much. Okay. Um, he, he was literally in a squat position, you know, dancing. So, yeah, uh, true. Yeah. I, I, when I was watching the fight, I was thinking, ooh, he can't take too many of those. But then when I saw it at the end of the fight, I was thinking, Jesus. All right. Mm-hmm. I might have been wrong on that one. But, uh, but Israel Adesanya just did a good, 
good uh good job of just kind of hanging in there not letting things get to him and he was just very patient and in a way i feel like he carried that confidence that we were kind of talking about before the fight right like yes things have not gone his way in this saga but they have during the fight you know up until certain moments right mm-hmm. and so uh I think he carried a little bit of that confidence of knowing that. And uh, I think what, what what's even more impressive for me in this fight is, yes, he laid out Alex Pereira, and that, that's great. He won that fight without using what a lot of us felt like would probably be his biggest weapon in this rematch, and that's the grappling mm-hmm. that he was able to ex- exploit in, round, in the first, sorry, the, well, I guess the third fight, sec, uh, first MMA fight. Uh, he yeah. didn't even have to resort to that. So uh, I, I thought it was a pretty good performance by Israel Adesanya in that. And how about the fact that when we brought that up to O'Day Osborne, he thought the first two rounds Israel Adesanya shouldn't even wrestle at all. In my mind, I was like, is you a fool? You know, like I, I, I kind of thought that. But at the same time, O'Day's pretty, he explains himself pretty well. And I just po- kind of pocketed that. Like, well, we'll see. You know, we'll see how that goes. But I... I saw it as maybe a weapon he could use to highlight and to implement early on. And yeah, you're right, Goes. And O'Day was right as well. He 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 didn't get to that. Instead, he stuck with the kickboxing. Fajeda won round one. And he was taxing Izzy's legs pretty good. When he would explode, you could tell, you know, that power was there and it was a threat. But Izzy was hanging in there. And Izzy was firing back when he could. Mm-hmm. But even up until the last moment, it looked like Fajeda had a good, was going to close round two pretty strong. And then this big overhand right socks up Fajeda pretty good. Fajeda's still standing. And then all of a sudden he got hit with one more, but by the temple. And that was the kill shot. By the time he went down, he was pretty much gone. And then, boom, here comes a big Donkey Kong punch, a hammer fist from hell that completely sealed the deal. That was it. End of the fight. Your winner, Israel Adesanya, who's now one and one against Alex Fajeda in MMA, one and three against Alex Fajeda in combat sports, but he is currently the UFC middleweight champion. And boy, did it look like he had the weight of his shoulders, the weight of the world off his shoulders, and he was enjoying the moment. Good for him. He also took home a $50,000 bonus for performance of the night. And, uh, yeah, back on top. And, by the way, Izzy thinks no uh, no need for a trilogy. It's been settled. Dana White kind of co-signing on that. I think they're wrong. Um, I don't think anything's been settled. I think it's 1-1. No, I'm not clamoring for them to do it right away. A, because... The ex-champ, the former champ, got blitzed. That literally requires, to me, six months off at least. Really rest your brain. Come back from that. That was, you know, uh, that, that was a pretty vicious KO. At least six months. And in the meantime, maybe Izzy could take another opponent. That doesn't mean Alex has to, but Alex could as well. We let the division breathe a little bit. We don't want to choke it like the flyweights did with Davidson Figueredo and Brandon Marino. They think they were in the World Series best out of seven or some shit. I don't know what the hell they were doing. Finally, it was settled, and the Mexican fighter is the champ. The Brazilian's going up to 135, but come on, man. They throttled that division up pretty good. So yeah. I don't think I want that in any any division. And um, at this point in time, all I'm saying is I'd like to see it in the future. Now, that said, if Alex Fajeda were to go, oh, my God, I almost died. Here's video behind the scenes. I barely made weight. 205s for me. Oh, okay, then then I guess it is settled. You know, it's done. But mm-hmm. um, he made weight. He looked good in the fight up until when he got caught, which is what I said about Israel Adesanya. He looked good in the first fight up until he got caught. Hell, all the fights that he had with Fajeda. Uh, that's that's why I think that's a that, that's a trilogy match that needs to happen. What did you think of those comments? Did you find them as bizarre as I did? You know, Alex Pereira is in a a very tricky situation. It's good and it's bad. The good part is that you know you are one one, 
And if you can, if you can take yourself back to where we were, all of you listening and George, you were right next to me. When we watched that fight, it was about as quiet as it could get in our studio because we were all on pins and needles. Anything can happen at any second. And the ramifications of it are so big. I feel like if they fought a third, another time, a third time in MMA, you would be right back in that same spot. Yeah. Uh, and so I think that to me is entertainment. That would, that would make it worth it for me to see them fight again. So Alex has that going in his favor, in my opinion, where he does get hurt is as George laid out, it's difficult to say we need to do this right away because he did get KO'd and let's just take all the politics out of it. He probably needs to rest, probably needs to rest his brain a little bit. And here's the thing. The longer that gets pushed back, the more of a chance Pereira is going to need to take on, take on another opponent. And if he does, who do you give him that's not going to give him problems? You know, like in the wrestling department, uh, somebody can really, those other guys that aren't at the very top can really exploit that facet of his game, right? So the question is, can he even make it back to Israel Adesanya, right? He was only in this situation because of his history with Israel Adesanya. Um, But if he had to kind of work his way up uh, with a similar streak as to what's going on in other divisions, you know, what a Benil Dariush has or a Bilal Muhammad, I don't know that he has the skill set right now to do something like that. So we may never see this. But I don't agree with Dana White and Israel Adesanya in the sense that it's over. I don't think it's over. It's over in the sense that he who laughs last laughs hardest. And I think that's Israel Adesanya right now, right? That's mm-hmm. important. But overall, um, I, I, you know, there there are fans that don't care about kickboxing. So to them, it's 1-1, right? And then there are people that watch kickboxing and they're going, what are you talking about, homie? Like, it's 3-1 right now. Like, what are you cheering about, right? So I, I think there is an argument to be made for this fight to happen again. I just don't agree with it happening it uh, happening soon. Yeah, and and look, if the hater has to take another opponent and loses, then that's the end of the conversation. That's his bad. Right. Um, he is four and one with a win over the ch- current champ. He's not a tomato can, that's for sure. Um, yes, there are some guys like Derek Brunson who are wrestling first, and then they round out their game. Johnny Evelyn, I think he'd be a problem for him. It, you know, he's in Bellator. But a lot of the other fighters like to put them up. Let's go, you know, and 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 then go go to their wrestling. And I think Pajeda might have, you know, might have some success there. I don't want to pick on Sean Strickland, but that's exactly kind of what happened with Sean Strickland, who really had no interest in taking it to the ground, and that kind of put Pajeda in the position to fight Adesanya. But I don't know. I, you know, Robert Whitaker, he can wrestle for sure. He doesn't do it very often. And yeah, if Fajeda can't stop him, then there's no reason for him to be fighting Israel Adesanya again. But I just don't see it as settled. That word kind of tripped me out a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it 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 didn't make sense to me. But you know, kind of it was his night. I just whatever he wants to say, that's fine too. Yeah, he's probably going through a lot of emotions. Boy, did he have a lot to say though, right? He did, and. The thing with the kid, um, if you watched Izzy, he kind of looked for Alex Fajeda's kid because in 2017, six years ago, when Fajeda knocked him out in Brazil, the kid kind of did something of a, hey, this guy's been shot. You know, we 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 executed him. So Israel Adesanya didn't like it, but you know what, Israel kind of said it himself. Oh, I'm petty, but it pissed me off. That's why I did it. So anything we're about to say, Israel would agree. If I were to say, boy, he's kind of petty. Well, Israel, would, I think, would agree because he said it himself. I, I When I heard about it, I had mixed emotions. I thought, man, you're worried about what a little kid did six years ago? Like you're carrying it that long? Like, <laughs> um, good luck. I mean, you know, like, and then, but then he goes and says, "I'm petty." Um, 
what one one thing that bothers me though is you a lot a lot of athletes, including Israel Adesanya, think that of fans and media that they can be petty when things are going great, you know, they're their best friend when things aren't or whatever. And so here kind of you are proving to us that you're just like the rest of us, I guess. You know, we can all kind of be a certain way. We're not always going to be superheroes and do good stuff. We're sports fans, man. You know, your version of knocking someone out is maybe a a, a clutch three-point shot or a, a dunk to end the game and uh, or spiking the ball in football. That's just the way you show off. Now, should the kid have been in there? Probably not or whatever. I don't even know if Alex Fajita didn't go home and tell him, hey, kid, don't do that. That's not that's not good sportsmanship. We don't even know, you know, like. Mm -hmm. But I do know that he looked like a little kid, and to be upset over what a little kid did, that, uh, you know, you're a grown-ass man, you're a professional prize fighter. Like, come on, dude. Yeah, I, I can make an argument both ways. And because I can do that, I kind of feel silly really taking a stance on it. Mm -hmm. um, I'm kind of with you where I think, I would, I would honestly, uh, if I were like his best friend, I'd go, come on, man, as a little kid, this was years ago, who gives a shit, right? Move on to bigger and badder things. Um, but at the same time, it's weird because if I'm Alex Pereira and I see that my son did that, I would reach out to Izzy. I would have told him, hey, I'm sorry my kid did that. You know, I, I wanted him to be in the ring. It was a big moment for me. And I apologize that he did that to you. That was wrong. I would, I would definitely do that. And if he didn't do that, then I don't think that he can complain when Israel does it back at this point. Right. Mm -hmm. I think it kind of makes it fair game at that point. So, uh, yeah, I mean, and it was years ago. The kid's a, li a little older, but mm -hmm. I mean, how much more older, right? Like, are you that much more mature even when you're in high school or whatever, which I imagine this kid probably is right. Or maybe just out at this point. Who knows? But uh, yeah, dude, I, I don't know. I can go back and forth on it. <laughs> yeah, I'm over it. Who cares, really? Um, I brought it up because it seemed to be a pretty big deal online, and I found out the little backstory to it. But the big story is Israel Adesanya regains his title for the second time, and he'll continue in his quest of being maybe one of the greatest champions in UFC history. As of right now, I still have him number two to uh, Anderson Silva in terms of the best middleweight ever. Um, but he's definitely on his way. And in the co-main event, Gilbert Burns defeated Jorge Masvidal. And Jorge Masvidal retired after the fight. So his career's over about 20 years after it started, according to him. He was fighting in backyards, on the streets. Or, you know, all his life, but around age 18 is when you saw him pop up on those Kimbo Slice videos. And 20 years later, he was one of the featured stars at UFC 287. Unfortunately, he did not get his hand raised. And, you know, Jorge, I think, said the right things in explaining why he was retiring. He just doesn't have that, that um, like the quarterback that can't throw that dart, that bullet, you know, mm -hmm. the, the basketball player that can't drain the shot like he used to. He doesn't feel the same in there. And, you know, there was times he was getting hit in the face. There just wasn't head movement. There wasn't enough of a cover-up. Uh, he did look a little slower. And when he would explode, it was far and few in between. He didn't look horrific. He didn't get finished. And he fought a great, great welterweight. But he, he just kind of probably didn't look the same. And look, at this point, he's not going to be fighting for a title anytime soon. At four in a row, to key three figures in the welterweight division, says he's made a lot of money. I still disagree with that statement when I hear it from fighters and I hear it from Dana White. I'll tell you why, in case you're wondering. To me, Damon Lillard made $50 million this year playing basketball for the Portland Trailblazers. To me, that's a lot of money. To make... Two million, four million, once a year, whatever. Uh, it's a lot. That's a, I, I don't get. Don't get me wrong. I would do. I, I would love to make that type of money, but I don't find that to be a lot of money. Like I see other sports figures make 
Um, but if it's enough for him and his family and he's got other business interests, that is great, you know. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see Jorge pop up on the celebrity boxing or whatever it's called circuit, including his own game red boxing. And that's fine too. Um, because you don't have to go through the wear and tear of wrestling and jujitsu and everything else that goes along with training for an MMA fight that can really break you down. Now it's just hands, 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 getting your cardio ready, head moving, defense, and picking someone that's similar skill to you that you're not going to get hurt too bad. Boom, collect a paycheck. I, I anticipate that's what we'll see. I think the UFC and Jorge can work together so that if Jorge were to fight MMA again, it would have to be in the UFC. They freeze their contract. But other than that, you're free to go make money doing other stuff elsewhere. Yeah. Um, I agree with a lot of what you're saying. Um, I think he just probably doesn't have it anymore to compete for a title. He could still compete in mixed martial arts. I think people would still care. Mm-hmm. Um, all, because especially with him, all it takes is a little bit of heat, right? That's mm-hmm. it. And uh, and you'll want to watch him. It's, it's similar to Nate Diaz effect or the Conor McGregor effect. Uh, you don't really look too much at the records. You just see the name pop up and you go, I got to see this guy fight. He could still do that. So for him to walk away right now, I think is a good idea because you never know what that shot is that's going to change your life. And it looks like he's trying to avoid that. And I applaud him. He's made a lot of money. But that's not really important to me. What's important to me is can you sustain the lifestyle? Yes, you've made a lot of money. But what happens when that money stops coming in? Do you have a plan for the rest of your life? And the dude seems to live kind of a lavish lifestyle. And it's part of his story. It's part of him. So the question is, what is he going to do going forward to kind of make that money? He does have some avenues to do that, like you said, you know, even within his own promotion. Um, I, I could see him doing some of that. Hell, he started in bare knuckle, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure, depending on how that UFC contract is and what Dana does, um, if he popped up in there, you know, I, I could see uh, that being somewhat interesting for him. But uh, as far as encompassing all the, mar- the martial arts, the wrestling has just been a killer for him. And that just happened repeatedly uh, in the last fight and in, and in this one. So uh, I think it is a, the right time to go. I just hope that he doesn't come back, you know, a year later or whatever, because then it's just not going to feel right. Yeah. And, you know, he just looks like a much smaller guy than some of these welterweights. He's a tweener, you know, about. Five years ago, he was a lightweight, and then he went up to welterweight and held his own. Um, but I think a lot of it was not only just the the skill set with the size. Uh, I've said it many times: if they had sixty five and seventy five, Jorge would be a sixty fiver. I think Burns would be too. He was once a fifty fiver, but he looked thick out there. Um, but you know, yeah, I, I think we'll see him in some sort of stand up. Sport, including bare knuckle or boxing. I think he just retired from MMA. Good luck to him with the promoting. Good luck to him with the mezcal or anything else he has going on. In that regard, I think he can sustain and do well. Uh, the Damon Lillard just is an example of, you know, like I watch a lot of sports and I know what being comfortable and, and is like, you know, that 50 million, by the way. Lillard made it the year before, and he'll make it next year. <laughs> so at the hundred fifty million, and you know, in three years, and that's just this contract. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just one athlete. You know, I'd oh. like to see. I bet you, as you start to talk, I'm going to do something. I'm going to Google how much does Mike Trout make per at bat. Yeah, or, yeah. or Messi and Messi or Ronaldo, like exactly, they that. make ridiculous money. That's absolutely ridiculous. Exactly. That's a lot of money. That's when you know you can comfortably retire because you bank that over and over and over. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I think Dana maybe goes a little out of his way to to say that a fighter's made a lot of money and um and they have, but not not compared to the other sports oh. I watch. And I've seen a lot of 
combat sports athletes, including old Mike Tyson, his pal there, mm -hmm. uh, below 300 million, you know. Uh, so, yeah, combat sports athletes are pretty special in that regard, uh, the ability to blow through a lot of cash as well. Yeah, and don't forget, too, like, okay, here's a nice paycheck. That's great. How much of it are you taking home? You know, if you fight across the pond or whatever in another country, you're getting taxed double, right? You got to pay your corners. You got to pay your camp, right? All that shit, nutrition that goes into uh, becoming a fighter. It's no longer fighters just getting up off a couch and going in and hitting the heavy bag. Like, they've become proper athletes now. So these big checks that get written, I mean, don't think it all goes to the fighter. Like, they, they get a good chunk of that, but they don't get all of it. And we're just going to have to see uh, how smart he's been with his money. You know, hopefully he's been very smart where he doesn't have to do this again. Do you see that them, them paychecks, though? Game bread boxing? Like, Jesus Christ. I mean, that those are some good paychecks that went out to not just a few fighters, to a lot of fighters. Right? Where's that money coming from? I, I don't know. Ain't that right, George? Mike Trout makes $222,000 goes per game. Mm -hmm. You know how many athletes would want to get paid $222,000 just to show? Much less show mm -hmm. and win, but just to show? So baseball has 162 games. That's why Mike Trout makes three, $33 million a year. He makes $222,000 per game. He makes $67,000 per at-bat. There's a lot of people that fought this weekend that didn't make 67000 That's what Mike Trout gets per at-bat. Mike Trout probably averages four at-bats per game. Mm -hmm. um, Mike Trout makes 25000 I'm rounding up, per inning. <laughs> yeah. You see what I'm saying? It's insane. The of baseball can say, Mike Trout's made a lot of money. He's good and mean it. I hope, I, ho I hope. Mazadal has fifty million, a hundred million. I don't know. I don't know what he has, you know. But, um, it, you know, it, it. What can I say? He's only fought once this year, and he's not going to fight ever again for the UFC. I, I wish him the best. I really do. It's. I, I wish he had more to give because I, I wish he could cash the big checks that he's making now. Is what I'm trying to say. I'm in Mazadal's corner for the for a lot of these fights. You know, hoping that I thought he should have been making a lot of a lot bigger money a long time ago, but um, maybe a lot of our audience doesn't follow other sports, and that's why I wanted to give them a little bit of a wake up call here. Mazadal's gone. Gilbert Burns says, "I want to be the substitute or the the extra, the fill in, the whatever, the insurance policy." For whenever Colby Covington versus Leon Edwards takes place. Hey, I don't blame Gilbert Burns for saying that. In fact, Gilbert Burns says, if you're not going to do it, then why am I even here? Dana White hears this and says, man, that sounds like a plan. Tell him he's got it. So now Gilbert Burns is going to be the next guy for Edwards and Colby Covington. Well, what happened to Bilal Muhammad? I know Bilal Muhammad's trying to pick a fight with Kamar Uzman, but if he doesn't get that, Bilal Muhammad should probably be the guy that that uh, is protection for the Covington and Edwards fight ahead of Burns. So who knows? Maybe that's why Dana White says, I don't like to make fights because he's not thinking with a clear head mm -hmm. on fight. But maybe he's already got Bilal Muhammad lined up against Kamar Uzman somewhere else. But I'm telling you what, what if, what if, what if Bilal Muhammad beats Kamar Uzman? Then what? Do you tell him, well, no, man, because Burns went and weighed in and he was our insurance policy, so he gets next? Because that's exactly what he said about Colby Covington. Right. I mean, that. I have a feeling they already have a plan for Bilal. Uh, they got to, right? I mean, otherwise, this is just complete madness. But here's a scenario that I think you have to really think about, George. Um. All right. Gilbert Burns is your insurance policy for Edwards and Covington. But more than likely, who is he going to replace? I mean, Leon's had a bad track record making it to fights, right? And yeah, it feels like that's kind of in our rearview mirror, but you never know. Colby, Colby Covington doesn't really have that. Uh, can you imagine if it's 
Edwards that he's replacing. Now what does that do to the division? It completely fucks it up, right? I because mean, now versus Burns would be an interim title fight. It would be an interim title, right? Which would mm-hmm. push everything back. It, it would just it would be a horrible nightmare scenario for that division. So I don't know. I'm a little torn on that. I can't blame him for for being that guy for asking that. But at the same time, careful what you wish for, man. Uh, you're 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 going to be a replacement for a five round fight against a guy in Colby Covington who's just got a motor, and you have to hope you can outwork him. And then a, a striker like Leon Edwards is kind of finding his groove, dangerous from every angle. Um, and there's a chance you might put all that work in and get nothing out of it. You know, yeah, you're going to get paid. Gonna get paid. paid. And he feels like he locks him in to the title fight, which yeah. makes him cut the line ahead of Bilal Muhammad. That's why I think he's doing it. But, and plus, most of the time, they don't wind up being the guy. And so it's, I don't want to call it a free paycheck because he probably still mm-hmm. had to do a camp. But, you know. But Gilbert doesn't strike me as that guy. Uh, I would say 90% of the guys that get that role are that guy. Gilbert Burns, to me, strikes me as a guy that's going to work his hardest and be as prepared as he possibly can for that night. Mm-hmm. Pick, pick somebody else, I, I'd probably I'd probably say, nah, he's going to give you 80%. You know? This is the one time I wish Dana White, Dana White when the reporter brought that up, he would have said, hey, knock it off, like he did the other day at the at the press conference when they were asking about Holland and Mazzarone, and he said, hey, knock mm-hmm. it off. I think this is one time he should have said, hey, knock it off, in terms of Burns and Walal and Covington and Edwards. Hey, knock it off. Let let tonight breathe. Knock it off. Leave me alone. <laughs> I think he would have yeah. been better than getting backed into a corner now where he's kind of co-signing on possibilities. Um, how about Rob Font defeating Adrian Yanez? Yanez is pretty pissed off about the result. He thought that was a very winnable fight. But he took some damage over and over, kept getting buzzed, but kept re-engaging, thinking he was good to go, and he wasn't. And Font jacked him up. Yeah, so it was one punch after another that kind of like he would get staggered, and then you could you feel like maybe he might have shook that off. Oops, excuse me. And then he would get re-staggered, then kind of shake that off, and then again. So I think the one thing that when he goes back and watches it, uh, he might wonder, man, why didn't I try and clinch up? You know, like, am I, my, am I trying to be too tough when I don't need to be? And these are kind of like, as we were going into the fight, these were the storylines. Has Adrian Yanez grown up enough to prove to us that he deserves to be at that very top? You know, being talked with some of those big names. And for Rob Font, uh, can he prove to us that he still belongs, that he still needs to be uh, up up above a guy like Adrian Yanez? And I think Adrian Yanez is going to be upset when he goes back and watches that fight because he's doing pretty good. Not that Rob Font wasn't. Rob Font had his moments as well. But uh, I, I think he's really going to be pissed off when he goes back and watches that fight. And he was very clear to point out that he wasn't mad or yelling at his corner. He was mad at himself said he would never do that. He respects his coaches. It looked that way a little bit, but that wasn't the case. He was just mad at himself. Looked like he was mad at the referee, too, for the yeah. stoppage. But I'll tell you what, that referee saved him from being Alex Fajeda. And what did we just say about Alex Fajeda about 10 minutes ago? The guy needs six months off, maybe nine. That was vicious KO. His lights got turned off, this, that, whatever. That could have been Adrian Yanez. He was pretty much, you know, when he got hit, you could see in his head that he was, you know, his reins got scrambled a little bit, so um, maybe he fights out of it. You know, he he was pretty aware a little bit in that regard, but he got hit with with a few vicious shot, shots, so maybe he gets out of it. Maybe he gets to the end of the round. Maybe he mounts a comeback. We don't know. But at that particular time, the referee was well within his discretion with the point of view that he had, which is basically the best fucking seat in the house. Mm-hmm. Okay. That well-trained referee, I thought, made a good call. Yeah, I thought it was a really good call, too. We were, you know, you see his reaction, and you kind of think, well, wait a minute, did we miss something? But I think there are five of us in that room. We've all seen a lot of fights between us, and none of us said, what the hell's going on here? And one of, one of the people in that room was a professional fighter, you know? Um, mm-hmm. 
they have way more on the line than than we do. Maybe we got a parlay or something going on. This is this dude's life, and he seemed pretty okay with it. So, um, that was uh, and I think even Adrian going back watching, he'll, he'll he probably understand. Yeah, I I you know, like I say, could he have taken another half second, second couple more strikes? Possibly, we don't know. But Keith Peterson was well within his right to stop it according to the data that was being fed to him by those staggered. He staggered him twice before that vicious punch, before he's on the ground, before he's on top. Keith Peterson's, he's taken all this info information in, he's hovering over them, and he is a reputable ref. That's it. It's over, you know? Yanez, I think, is going to learn a lot from this fight. It's going to be valuable for him. Pick yourself up. Continue on. All right, look, I think right now is a good time to talk to our guest, Shane Burgos, who's now a lightweight, competing for PFL, headlining the upcoming PFL. This will be his debut in the PFL. And uh, you can catch the fights this Friday. They're going to be on ESPN2. You know, it's 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. Prelims on ESPN Plus. Talk to Shane Burgos. What is going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and Goes are back with another superstar from the sport of mixed martial arts. Today we get to talk to Shane Burgos who's going to be debuting for the PFL at their upcoming event, PFL 3 2023 regular season. It's Friday, the 14th, so basically a week from today, and you can watch the yep. fights on ESPN+. Plus. His opponent, Olivier Avian Mercier. Welcome, Shane, uh, back to MMA Junkie Radio. How are you? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me on, guys. Awesome, man. So, Shane, you know, the debut was going to be last year against Marlon Marais, more of a striker rather than a grappler. But here it's going to happen six months later uh, versus more of a grappler than a striker and at a different weight class. Now, I know why the fight didn't happen last year, but why the opponent switch um, and and I guess why the different weight class? I mean, the different weight classes, uh, like I said it a couple times, I think it's pretty obvious at this point. Like I'm, I'm not a, four, a small 45. Everybody knows I'm a big 45er and making that weight was killing me it, it really was like the, just being honest with myself I had to sit back and reassess after i had to pull out of that last one i was like you know what like for me to do this at 45 in a season i mean the, with, the, with the way the format is it's not going to be conducive to my to my performances to to be able to do 45 then fight again a couple weeks later 45 fight again a couple weeks later. it's it's just going to destroy my body and my mind so i was like you know what now's the time and this is the best i've ever felt like i just finished my last hard day of training and usually the last hard day of training before 45 like going into it i'm just getting through it. I'm, I'm just trying to get through it i'm just trying to go through the motions get through it get done with it i feel fucking amazing now it's, it's like a, a huge sigh of relief it's like fucking hey this is what i wanted to feel like this whole time i should have just did this sooner but everything happens for a reason and i'm here now are you retired from 45 is, have you turned the page will you grow into the body and maybe add bulk yeah i think i think i think it will add, add, add some size to the body but uh I don't want to say now. Now say never. Say never. That's what I'll say to forty-five. Never say never. But for right now, my focus is solely on one fifty-five. Mm-hmm. And you get the former champ on your first fight in PFL. Can you talk about that matchup in terms of maybe not the X's and O's? Nobody gives that strategy away. We all kind of are familiar with both of you guys. You've been doing it for a long time. I'm talking about the psychology of it all. You're going in the yeah. big yard. And you're picking a fight with the big dog in the big yard. Are you seeing it that way? Like this is going to send a message uh, to that whole lightweight division? Yeah, hundred percent, man. It's, this is the one. This is yeah, hundred percent. Like uh, we're off the back. Give me the guy. I mean, everybody's calling. You can call him the former champion if you want, but I'm looking at him as the current champion because he won this season and he hasn't lost. You know what I mean? So on a six fight win streak, uh, give me that guy right off the bat. Why? Why not? Like. I'm fresh going into it. Yeah, give me give me that one right off the bat. I mean, it makes sense to me. So um, I, I love it. Is it uh, people are saying, oh, why didn't they why didn't put you guys in two separate ends of the bracket? Who the fuck cares? I mean, you've seen guys like uh, Pettis ended up fighting Stevie Ray twice. You've seen guys fight each other twice. So after I beat him, we might fight again. Honestly, mm-hmm. I think because we're all used to tournament formats. Yeah, uh, in other sports, it's, it's, and you identify the 
the top players and you look at them as a number one yeah. or a number two, and then you think of a dream matchup. But yeah, hey, no one's complaining to get to see two top lightweights compete in a week. And we're in Vegas, so I get to see it in person. So no one's complaining about that, that's for sure. Yeah, it's going to be a fun fight. It's, it's one of those things like I'm, I'm really excited for it. Uh, like, you give me the guy right off the bat. I'm looking at it like as a title fight. I mean, it's a title fight in my ass. All right, one more question from me here. Um, I don't want to sound like negative Nancy, but um, there's been a lot of fighters, including uh, Olivier, who have come over from another promotion or let's just say the UFC. And year one has been a struggle, right? Uh, you, you named Pettis, for example, uh, Mauricio Verdum, Rory McDonald, a few other guys. It, it didn't go as maybe everyone planned. Now that you've seen that uh, and probably talked to others, what can you identify as maybe the, the main reason for it? Is it as simple as I just didn't uh, take the opposition as serious or, or, or what do you think and what do you, how do you think you can apply it to you? I can't speak for those guys. I have no clue what, what their reasoning is. But um, for me, I'm looking at it as not – this is not – I'm not looking at it like um, oh, I'm coming into, into BFL. I used, um, I used to be in the UFC. Oh, this is going to be easy. I walk in the park. Fuck no. This is my first time at 55. This is my first time fighting in another organization in fucking years. I've been in the UFC for, for – I had 11 pro fights in the UFC almost my entire career. So I'm not looking at this like it's going to be an easy run. And then I got the guy that won the tournament right off the bat. So um, I can't speak to what – anyone else was feeling going in but for me i'm looking at this like this is the hardest fight of my career and, and i'm going to treat every fight going forward as that because right after i'm done with this one i got to go right back in again so i'm looking at this one right now i'm focused solely on this one as this is the hardest fight this is my title fight right now so uh i can't answer for anyone else i don't know what what their mentality was but i'm, I'm balls to the wall I, I i emptied my fucking my mind body and soul into this training camp i gave it everything i had i left no stone unturned um i'm, I'm doing everything in my power to, to leave with my hand raised next friday Shane, how would you say this uh, experience is feeling like for you right now? Is it more of an excitement? Um, I, I kind of look at it as it's like when you switch schools, you know, and everybody's different, right? Even the staff that you're used to talking to all the time. Yeah. There's a lot being thrown at you. What do you feel like emotionally going into this fight? That's a that's a good little that's a good little scenario right there. It, it, it kind of is like switching schools, right? especially in the beginning. Like now, I'm a little bit more settled into it. I'm a little more familiar with the. Uh, with the staff and everything like that and they've been so accommodating and uh awesome so i, I have zero complaints I, I i love being a pfl fighter i take pride in it i take pride in the, in the journey that i've taken uh the way i did it the way i handled it the way i fought my ass off in the ufc and made a name for myself now i'm in the pfl and i'm getting paid what i'm what i'm worth now i, I take full pride in it so it, it's it's cool though I, I i definitely am excited to go out there and not just uh show up or perform like that's the biggest thing for me not just to go in there and just have fun but go out there and fucking win you know, George mentioned it. it's OAM and this is the big dog, but that dog kind of tells you roughly what he's going to do every fight, right? Every fight kind of looks the same. Um, do you, what do you think of his other skill sets? Do you think he's capable of surprising you in any way? Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I'm not, the dude got two arms and two legs and my boxing coach always says, even a monkey can get lucky. You know what I mean? So I'm not going to go out there thinking that this dude is a, is a bum on his feet and can't throw a punch. And I mean, he can throw a punch and we got small four ounce gloves on. So I, I don't expect him to I, – I do think he's going to try to strike with me for a little bit. I don't think it's going to be long, but I do think a little bit. And, then, and I think he's going to start going for the takedown. And I, I I understand it. I get it. He wants to – he knows we're fighting again in 10 weeks, so he wants to get the safest win possible. And I I don't blame him for it, but uh, it's my job to keep it on the feet, and it's his job to try to take it down. I think it's pretty uh, clear-cut what the, what the game plans are here. What about the point system and, and all, all that comes along with it? At any point, do you think, uh, I know that's probably got to be something in your mind as far as strategy, but once the fight starts, the fight starts, right? Like, how much yeah, do you yeah. think about all that stuff going on? I'm putting that completely in the back of my mind. I'm not I'm not focused too much on the points. I mean, everybody wants the quick six, right? Everybody wants it. Even if even if there was a, wasn't a point basis, you want to get in and you want to get out. Not just because you're fighting again in 10 weeks, but because it's you're fucking fighting. You know, you don't want to be in there for 15 minutes if you can be in there for 15 seconds. You know what I mean? So it doesn't matter if it's UFC, PFL, uh, my backyard as soon as the fight starts i want to get the hell in and get the hell out do you think by the end of the season you can be one of the pfl's top five stars because of yes. the way you fight um you know fans really really appreciate you and they backed your move from ufc to the pfl what do you, what do you think yeah that's that, that yeah 100 that, that's the plan i plan on obviously winning all the fights that i'm in but uh 
the way I fight, I feel like the, the fans and the PFL, they, they, they appreciate it. You know what I mean? So I, I plan on going out there, uh, putting on more exciting fights like you guys seen in all my previous fights. I feel like I'm allergic to boring fights. So I'm going to go out there and fight the same way I've been fighting, uh, cleaned up some things here and there. And um, yeah, I, pl I plan on being one of those one of those big stars for the PFL. Last question. Um, and by the way, I personally thought my prison analogy was better than Goz's school analogy. <laughs> i never been to prison, so I don't know. Yeah, well, but still, you know, we're talking tough, tough guy stuff, not stealing markers and crayons. But hey, um, man, I went to a tough high school, George. You don't know. <laughs> That's true. All right. Uh, Can one day the popularity of Puerto Rican MMA fighters surpass the popularity of Puerto Rican boxers? I think so. I think so for sure. Um, not, not, not just because of a. Uh, I mean, so I think solely because of the fact that MMA is getting huge. It's getting right. bigger and bigger. I mean, like you guys, guys that are like Jake Paul, doesn't he live in Puerto Rico and he's training right. MMA now? So I, I think it's only going to keep blowing up. All we need is to get get one of those big gyms out there. I heard the UFC was saying they're going to make a PI out there or something like that. But if we can get like a, a PFL show and beat them to it out in Puerto Rico, I think that'll just make the, the sport blow up. And then again, we can get big stars coming out of Puerto Rico and big stars that are. I mean, you got a million Puerto Ricans in, in, in the country that don't live in Puerto Rico, too. Like me, myself, I'm half Puerto Rican, but you got a bunch in the Bronx that are full blown uh, and they start training at these gyms. I, I don't see why not. Definitely. I grew up uh, watching Wilfredo Benitez. So, um, but now I cover MMA and I just see a tide yeah. turning across um, slowly with what, what's happening with, in Mexico as well. Yeah. Uh, with, with the champions yep. that they have and, and, and the popularity of the sport. And I can see other combat sports uh, countries like Ireland, for example, um, Puerto Good Rico, Philippines yep. one day might be the same way. Russia even, you know, uh, yeah. it, it, MMA is just blowing up. So hopefully you guys are a part of that. I know you're going to be one of the guys leading the way. That's the plan, trailblazing. Hey, last thing here. This is away from MMA. I'm going to go old school. 30 years ago, did you ever see a movie called Carlito's Way? I saw parts of it. I'm 32 years old, so I mean, I was two years old when I came out, but uh, so I've seen parts of it. You look like you could fit into the movie, man. You should watch it. Um, All right, I'm gonna... It's based on a character that's Puerto Rican, and, and uh, I think you'd like it. So I'm not clowning or nothing. I think you'd like it. But anyway, thanks for the time, and we'll see you in a weekend here in Vegas, and I uh, can't wait for your fight against OAM. And I'm sorry. I got it backwards. It's going to be Shane Burgos with the broadcast on ESTM Plus and the prelims on ESTN2. So I got it flipped around. I apologize for that. But you can watch just how you watch your UFC pay-per-views and other events on ESTM Plus uh, this weekend. Uh, tune in. You got Olivier Avian Mercier versus Shane Burgos and Sadavusi against Jay Al Salawi. So we got welterweights and lightweights. Should be fun time. Yeah, for sure. Um, he's a good kid, man. He's a, he's one of those unique situations where usually when you see a fighter go to another organization, we're saying this fighter's kind of nearing the end of their career. Uh, this is different with Shane Burgos. You know, he he's a guy that was able to be chased away by another promotion, probably in his prime right now. You know, you don't get to see that happen too much with the UFC. So it'll be interesting to see what he can do over there. He already had a fight scheduled, didn't happen. Uh, so he's coming in fresh here, and we'll, we'll see what happens. We'll come back to the UFC in just a moment. I guess because we're talking PFL. Goes, any thoughts on your experience at PFL 2, <clears throat> regular season 2023, this past weekend in Las Vegas, Larissa Pacheco? Uh, coming out on top over Julia Budd in the main event. What, what did you think of the taking in the show live at the Virgin Theater, uh, one of our favorite venues for concerts and sporting events over the years? You know, that kind of reminded me of just how much I missed that venue. That venue really is very unique, and uh, I, I dug the way they they had it set up for those fights. So I loved being in there, and... You know, that's the thing, like the format of the PFL, the way it's it, it's lined up, it, it really makes every fight matter more than it might without the point system. And so uh, there's just interesting storylines that come in and out of it. I had a good time. I thought the main event w was fun. Uh, and then there were a couple bangers in, in within the card, right? So I, I was actually okay with it. Aspen Ladd, by the way, coming over 
This isn't her debut for PFL. As you'll recall, she won last year over Julia Budd. But this year, she is now part of the regular season, and she took a loss against Alina Kolosik. Uh, so she's down on the count in terms of points. Um, but yet another UFC star kind of coming over and stumbling a little bit in the regular season. Yeah, and, you know, kind of stumbling in a, a familiar way, I think. Uh, if you look at her corner, they weren't too happy at times. It's just kind of like urgency that you want to send her way that I don't know if she just, why she doesn't really react that certain way if, if she doesn't feel like the fight is in that dire situation or, or I don't know really what happens in there. But uh, because you feel like if they fought 10 times, it wouldn't, it wouldn't really go down like that. But every now and again, she just has this type of performance and you just feel like she doesn't lose because the, the girl on the other end is that much better. I think it's more Aspen just not pulling the trigger as much as like, she could be way more aggressive and sometimes that just doesn't happen. And so now, you know, what we were talking about earlier, the points matter in PFL and now you're in a tough situation, right? Because we don't really know Aspen lad to be somebody that comes out in round one and, and finishes in an opponent. Uh, and that's kind of what she's going to need to get going soon here because these points do matter. It's a big deal. Yeah, no doubt about that. Kind of, you know, what she reminded me of was the next day, Chris Curtis, where we have two fantastic fighters in their divisions, but yet they lose these close decisions. And a lot of it had to do with just, a little bit more output and maybe sway the judges. Um, mm -hmm. we'll, we'll go back to Chris in just a second, but yeah, Aston, I think is going to be disappointed to see that, you know, she kind of left it all in round three for round three. You know, she was trying to get a submission finish there. Um, but early on just it plan a wasn't working too well and that ultimately cost her. So we'll see how she can pick it up and rebound from this. It's not impossible. The standings are as follows at, at 145 pounds. You got Amber Lee Rock with six points. Marina Mocatina, five points. Larissa Pacheco, three points. Evelyn Martin, three points. Olina Kolesnik, Kolesnik um, two points. And then everyone else is at zero. So should Aspen Ladd get a win and make it a finish in her next fight, she could wind up with five or six points and then really put some pressure on Pacheco, Martins, and Kolasic. You know, mm -hmm. uh, it's going to be tough to catch Mokatina and Lee Rock. You know, first round fin finish would be even better, but I don't know if uh, Ashton Ladd has that in her. She, she's usually a little bit of a slow starter. So we'll see. But that's how important each one of these fights are. It's only the regular season's only two fights, it's not like football, 17 weeks. Baseball, 162 games. NHL, NBA, 80 and 82, respectively. No, 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 no. Or even college basketball. What do they play, like 30 games, 32 games? No, this is two. That's it, you know? And if the other ones are up there in points with some stoppages, I mean, you're really backed into a corner. That million doesn't even exist if you don't get to the playoffs. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah. Uh, all right, and and Julia Budd, zero points as well. Big signing from Bellator. Julia Budd came over, lost to Ashton Ladd last year. Then she lost to Larissa Pacheco in the main event. And she's a former featherweight champion over at uh, Bellator, but things haven't gone good for her since coming over to PFL. We also had heavyweights in action. Vicious KO to end the, the night. Bruno Capelosa. Defeated Matthias Shuffle, who was a finalist last year, against Ante D'Elia. Um, Maurice Green also got a win. He looked pretty good, man. He slowly dismantled his opponent, Marcelo Nunez. The crowd really, really popped to Maurice Green, the, cro the crochet guy. Um, Danilo Marquez and Rizvan Kuniev also got wins. Jorgen DeCastro, Hennen Fajeda both took L's along with Nunez and Shuffle. Ante D'Elia, Dennis Goldsoff, uh, they did not fight. I, I see them as part of uh, the heavyweights, you know, the, that are going to compete this year. So 
I don't know if they're going to be on the next card or on some sort of a supplemental card or, or what the deal is, but your leader so far is Bruno Cavallosa. He kind of stole the show. Yeah, he really did. Yeah, overall, PFL was great, man. I'm looking forward to this week. Me too. We had a great seat. Thank you to PFL for that. They kind of put all the media in the suite. So it's pretty cool view into their smart cage or whatever they call it over there at PFL. And like I say, the crowd was really energetic. DJ was bringing it a little slow in between fights, coming out of commercial from when the fight ended to when they announced the decision. But what are you going to do? Um, let's go back to the UFC as well. You know, we got a little few more minutes here. The UFC, uh, the rest of the card was as follows. Kevin Holland defeated Santiago Ponzinibbio. KO punch there. Christian Rodriguez ended the Raul Rosas hype train. He defeated him by unanimous decision there. Kelvin Gastelum, Chris Curtis had a war. Gastelum came out on top. Unanimous decision there. Luana Pinedo defeated Michelle Watterson. Split decision there. Joe Pfeiffer starched Gerald Mearshart. Uh, Lupita Godinez defeated Cinta Calvillo. Split decision there. Ignacio Bojamundes, Steve Garcia, Sam Hughes also in the win column. The bonuses, Gastelum and Curtis for fight of the night. Israel Adesanya and Rob Font received $50,000 bonuses. Now, I know I covered a lot, goes, but I mean, isolate on a couple fights here. Your thoughts on Kevin Holland back at welterweight, back in the win column over Santiago Ponzinibbio? Um, yeah, I mean, a couple things stood out for me. Obviously, that, that Gastelum fight, Chris Curtis fight was tremendous. Um, a lot of back and forth, rock them, sock them robots, but it wasn't like sloppy, you know, there, there, there was technique to it. And then Raul Rosas Jr. Uh, taking that L. It's just interesting. You know, when you, when you look at the hype behind this kid, uh, the way he's been kind of talking, you know, you can't, can't come at him too much. I mean, what fighter isn't going to say that they think they could, they could win fights and isn't going to have confidence in themselves. But I think he kind of fell into the hype a little bit too much. And, I'll be honest, like the situation that he put himself in, the bad situations, was kind of him just being too aggressive. And if you follow any other sports or whatever, that's kind of a problem you have normally with younger players, right? If you look at year one of a guy like Kobe Bryant, how many mistakes did Kobe make trying to drive the lane, you know, and be the guy? Uh, that he was in high school and you just, you realize, man, every, everybody's good here, you know? And so I thought Raul put himself in some bad spots trying to be aggressive. You, you could just see it all playing out in a young man's head because we've all been there. We've all been his age. And if you played any type of competitive sports, like, you know what it's like that day when you find out, holy shit, I'm not the toughest guy on the playground. You know, this guy's better than me. I think he went through through that and you know the part that sucks is for you and i george that might have happened in a gymnasium with maybe 100 people for him that happened in front of the entire world right so how does he bounce back now that's going to be an interesting storyline to, to watch <laughs> goes that was excellent recap of two fights that i didn't ask you about i originally asked you about kevin holland i thought you asked me about the rest of the card or whatever well, I did, but I, I said, give me your thoughts on Holland and Ponzinibbio. But I didn't want to stop you. Oh. I thought you were eventually going to finish out with that. Um, so tell me about Holland and Ponzinibbio, and then and then I'll tell you my feedback on those other two fights, which were the biggest fights of the night, you know, aside from the, the top three. Holland and Ponzinibbio was interesting because we got a version of Kevin Holland that we're not used to seeing. Mm -hmm. He was extremely patient. You know, you never see that. He ran his mouth here and there, but not really. It was just a different Kevin Holland. Focused, right? Focused. But you know what? He kind of seemed miserable out there to me. Uh, I think part of why he likes to do this is I think he has fun doing it. And he just didn't look like he was having fun. Now, that was the recipe for success in this fight. He got the W. Mm -hmm. uh, but, but he just didn't look too happy. So I don't know if he'll be able to keep that going forward, being able to do something like that. But uh, it's a good win for him. It's an interesting observation because I think I saw exactly what you're talking about. It is part of the package for him to be smiling, clowning, playing to the crowd, 
playing to the celebs or Dana White. And instead, he was focused on the task at hand. Um, but, you know, they get more dangerous as you continue to taking new heights, you know. And Juan Zanivio is the guy that can wear down your legs, go to the body, hit your head. Um, but Kevin Holland did a good job of using that reach advantage. And he was more accurate and had some good pop with his punches. I think he should go back and look at it and go, wow, the hard work is paying off. And guess what? He was on a two-fight losing streak. You know, he got TKO'd against Steven Thompson in December. And then Hamzat Shemaya put him through the blender, um, you know, in September of last year. So he really needed to get back to the win column. And I hope this guy doesn't say, I made a lot of money. I'm good. No, 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 no. You like fighting. You told us you like fighting. This is fun to you. You don't have a problem making weight. Although he did ask Ponzinibbio if he wanted to just fight at 185. Ponzinibbio declined. But um, th- this is, I think, what he was built to do. And I think he's pretty damn pretty, pretty good at it. He just has to balance the two, you know. And, and when you're 0-2 in your last two, clowning, Fooling about, laughing, whatever you want to call it, that that has to go in the the rear view mirror. That that's that's something you don't get to, you know. Um, win, get on a win streak, get comfortable, you know, be up two rounds, and then maybe you can do something like that. You got to be focused, yeah. laser focused. Otherwise, you get clipped. This sport has no mercy on you, and there's some. I think there's some good paydays that could await someone like Kevin Holland. The Trailblazer, so good for him. As far as Ponzinibbio is concerned, I know he's a little disappointed. Um, I think he's still trying to make up for those three and a half years that he was out with that blood disorder or blood infection that he had. Things haven't really gone his way in the last few fights, but uh, I still consider him, you know, a, a welterweight that should be taken serious and might still have a little bit of gas left in the tank. He's 36 years of age. I guess technically his, he did beat Alex Morano, but before that he lost to Jeff Neal, Michelle Vajeda, so he's lost three of his last four. We'll see what's up next for him. Rosas, completely agree. This was just an, a lesson that at least he got at 18 and not 26. Um, there's still some work to do. Christian Rodriguez, I think, looked fabulous. We kept using the word calm on Saturday night. It was like things were in slow motion for him. And uh, this guy figured out the Raul Rosas puzzle. He weathered that early storm. He got his hand raised, and and, and I, he impressed me, and hopefully his profile was lifted. And lastly, Gaspolum and Chris Curtis, man, what a fight. We were treated to a great fight. I did not have a problem with the judge's call here, um, even though the stats overwhelmingly were for Curtis in round three. He won it. Round one went to Gaspolum. Round two was 30-30 significant strikes and i remember that night we thought it was pretty close but that knockdown which was the result of a headbutt that may have made the difference it really may have okay. i don't know you know and can you blame the judges for that not really um because if you take away the headbutt i don't know that it's it's a chris curtis round like it, it was still close is what i'm saying and mm-hmm. what do i always say it, the onus is on the fighters to overwhelmingly win rounds. That way, the judge has no right but to go, oh, that's an easy 10-9. Boom. Send it. You know right. what I mean? When it's mm-hmm. close, they got to they gotta make a quick decision. What did they just see the last five minutes? What? Who Who left me some sort of an impression? Well, you left it in their hands because you didn't do enough. True. I just don't like to hear it, but I don't think it's anything but the truth, the damn truth. Okay. So that was UFC 287. We went over the results. That's all we have time for today. Um, you know, God bless Cynthia Cavill. She made weight. I really love to see her continue to compete at 115. Uh, just can't be leaving it in the hands of the judges. Michelle Watterson kind of in the same boat. Um, you know, what can I tell you? And uh that's about it. As far as PFL, great times had there. We'll be at PFL 3 this week. Spinning back, click live tomorrow, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. I'll be on the panel. I won't be hosting. I'm pretty sure we're already locked in for UFC 288 on May 6th. Another watch along there. And uh, keep it locked on MMA Junkie throughout the week. Uh, you know, we 
nobody covers the sport better than we do. Um, go ahead, because you had something to say? Yeah, just a couple of things on the way out. Happy 80th birthday to our mom. Uh, our there, our show, we've you know we're we're going on our anniversary here, guys. Sixteen years, and you guys have been such a big part of the show. And it's I, I mean I'm getting messages and texts from people. I'll be honest, I don't even know some of you cats, but you guys know my mom's birthday, and that's pretty amazing. And we really appreciate that love and support, especially uh, you know George going through a tough time, and your guys' support has been real motivating. And, um, you know, on top of, of my mom, George, um, I do want to thank too, like sticky paws and O'Day Osborne, O'Day Osborne and Austin Alvarez, who produces our watch alongs. O'Day is a guy that we've had on these watch alongs quite a bit. Um, but I don't know that necessarily we've had him on the show that much. And I think that's a person that you guys will, you know, if you like some of the people that we've had on our show throughout the past, uh, you'll really dig him. He 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 made He's some really good points this weekend. He's such a chill guy, too. Such a chill guy. Um, and then just going back to the end part of of the week with the uh, uh, Bellat or sorry PFL, their hospitality, and John Orlando. Uh, we we I got to go see uh, the movie Air, and that was legit. You know, it was a private theater, and so uh, I can't remember like a like the private theater setting. You, you like that, or was it really? Did you fit? Did it feel more private, even though there was people there, than being at um, a regular theater? A little bit. I knew probably 80% of the people that were in the theater, you know? So when people are talking, you're kind of laughing because people are getting bagged on and stuff. Okay. It's fun. But, you know, I can't remember a four-week stretch that's been busier than what we've probably went through in this last four weeks. And, you know, some of it's work, some of it's life, personal, but uh, it, it's just, you can't make it without a support system and everybody's been great. So I just want to say that and happy birthday, mom. We love you. And uh, thanks to our dad who also came out and thanks to Yogi the dog and Laura and Juliet, our girlfriends, they, uh, they put in a good. lot of work. Barbecue today too. Yeah, everybody put in a lot of work, and so uh, just thankful for all that stuff. Yeah, I'm taking a picture of Mom and Yogi right now. They're both asleep um, together. Yeah, I, I'll echo what Go said. You know, a lot of kind messages towards both of us, towards our mom. I did see a lot of that. Your support on the watch-alongs, our posts on the social media that promotes the watch-alongs, things like that means so much. And, uh, yeah, I guess before we see you again, we will have celebrated our 16th year anniversary. Uh, it's on April 11, 16 years. And uh, we just banked show number 3350, nice round number. So probably be tooting our own horns <laughs> this week. You know, we only do it a couple times a year, and that's it. But um, pretty proud of, of the run that we've been on. And thank you all. Anyway, that's listening to one show or all 3,350, which, believe it or not, there are some of you. Anyway, folks, enjoy the rest of your weekend, and uh, we'll see you on Thursday's show. Go out and be a champion.